the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. I'm Jen Morrow, and with me today, as always, is Mike Walsh. Hello, Mike. Hi. Hi, Jen. Uh, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before, how I am not a morning person. And, you know, people are wise not to enter my office before 10 a.m. Yes. We're recording this at 940, so I have no idea how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I burst in and said, good morning. Yes, because you are apparently more of a morning person than I. Um, but we have a really great episode this week. Uh, we actually pre-recorded it a few days ago uh, on Zoom, so the audio quality will be the typical Zoom audio quality. But um, it's a group that you work with, with some or have worked with, with some regularity, and they're kind of close to your heart. Um, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, we're also this episode's coming out on Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we certainly want to remember all those who gave their all for our country. It's uh, always a good opportunity to remind people that there's a difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Um, You know, when we memorialize people on that day, we are memorializing the dead, those who gave the last full measure of devotion, as uh, Lincoln quoted. Um, But it's always a good time to, you know, honor our veterans and keep them in the back of our minds, but Mm -hmm. it's specifically uh, meant for for those who have died. Um, But anyway, you actually had a great opportunity to when you were in Belgium, right? To... Yeah, I was actually thinking about Memorial Day driving in today, you yeah. know, knowing it's a long weekend coming up and you know, knowing that this weekend is for remembering and honoring those men and women who served in the U.S. military and, and died in their service. So it took me back to a memory I have um, when I was living in Germany for a few years and when we knew we would be coming home, um, I had a friend in Texas who her... Um, one of her ancestors had died during World War II and was buried in Belgium at a, at a um, cemetery and asked, since I was coming home soon, could I go to the cemetery? Because she knew she'd never get there and kind of, you know, honor her, her great grandfather and, um, and, you know, lay some flowers. So we drove out there. It was a couple hours drive from Germany to Belgium. And it was called the Henry Chappelle American Cemetery and Memorial in Belgium. Mm. And I'll never forget it because, you know, I was like, yeah, we'll we'll go out there. And to be honest, I like cemeteries. I find them interesting. And I like to to think about who the people are that, that are there. But as a military uh, cemetery, this one was in the middle of nowhere, very quiet. It was January. So... Um, it was overcast and a, like a fresh snow had fallen. So we had contacted the cemetery ahead of time, make sure there'd be no language barriers. And when we got there, uh, they took us out to, they had found um, my friend's, I think I said great-grandfather, but I meant to say grandfather, uh, grandfather's grave. And uh, it was full. When we got there, it was nearly 8,000 graves, um, most just with a simple white cross. And mm-hmm. these were Americans who had died overseas, some with names, some without. But it was very important for the cemetery uh, staff for, for them to let us know that though these soldiers had and or servicemen had and women had fall or men at the time had the servicemen had fallen overseas they were not forgotten and when they had died um the town everybody who lived in the town at the time during world war ii had come out to help bury them and then the families basically each family adopted a soul uh, a soldier oh. 
And to this day, that has passed down through the generation, and that family is still responsible for that soldier. Wow. So they're not forgotten. And we were standing out at the at the grave. Like I said, it was a the simple white cross, and um, it just a soft snow started to fall, and it was dead silent. And then the church bells you could hear in the background, and just knowing that you're standing first off as somebody who was you know, a loved one of someone I knew, and then that they're not forgotten because somebody in the town always comes to see him, just like somebody in the town comes to see the other, you know, seven, 8,000 yeah. soldiers made me realize that, you know, we're never truly forgotten. So I was thinking about that this Memorial Day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's something that I think, you know, honoring the dead is something that's, uh, you know, one of the tenets of our faith. And uh, I think it's occasionally some one of the ones that might be difficult for some people to do. Um, but it's, you know, it's if you've never done it, it's a it's a simple gesture, but it's an important gesture. Uh, I, I had I was blessed with being able to attend an Arlington uh, funeral uh, several years ago, which was sort of an amazing opportunity. And um but, you know, my son always, has, over the years, either as a Boy Scout or as a member of his Little League team, has walked in the Memorial Day Parade in our town and uh, always thought it was a great opportunity to sort of show the young how important it is to, you know, honor those who have served and died. Anyway, if it, this Memorial Day weekend, let's, uh, let's remember those folks and uh, let's do work a little harder to uh, make sure we remember them physically by, attend, by, uh, by visiting a cemetery every now and again. So uh, in just a few minutes, uh, we're going to run this interview. And I wanted you to give sort of a background because we, we, we basically, as soon as we hit record, we were off to the races when we, when we did this interview. So we didn't give it a lot of, uh, a lot of preview. So who are we interviewing and why? <laughs> so yeah, so like you said, this is a group that I uh, have a lot of experience with, I would say the last four or five years. Um, we're, we're speaking today with um, George Anthony, who leads the Modern Day Prep Global Leaders Institute. So this is a, like a United Nations program based out of Modern Day Prep in Middletown, New Jersey, which is Monmouth County. Um, so I got to know them during my time with the Trenton Monitor and in the Trenton Diocese. Uh, however, unfortunately, it was announced in the news a few weeks ago that Modern Day Prep would be closing this year due to low enrollment. So uh, George George Anthony and the Modern Day Prep's leader, Glo- the Global Leaders Institute, is shop- shopping around to see if any other uh, Catholic and and probably non-Catholic uh, high schools or or grade schools are interested in picking up the program. And over the years, this 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 program has basically built uh, young people up to want to make the world a better place. A lot of them have got, gone on to uh, major in international relations. And in high school, they are presenting at the United Nations. That's how I first got to know them. I reported on them. I went with them to the UN when um, these young people were talking ages, what, 14, 15, up to 18, are presenting with world leaders at the UN. Um, it was just a great program. So, you know, I, the idea that it would be going away because Modern Day is closing, we thought it would be a good idea to speak with them and see if any other high schools across the state of New Jersey are interested in, in learning more about the program. I told you it was it was a great conversation. Um, I noted about halfway through that you know I, I wish that this program had existed because this that was exactly my alley. I was into all that stuff. You know, I, I was a history major. I knew I was going to be a history major. I loved civics. I loved politics. Um, seeing how the real world works. You know, sometimes. 
users what we read in the books and then we learn how things actually occur right. so being uh, a part of things like this helps you to see how things actually happen and uh but those kids were just man amazing so i can see why you gravitated to that uh that program they're very passionate and and you'll hear on the show uh today listeners so george anthony the the leader is joined by a handful of students uh who are either currently in the program or have gone on to higher education and are about to graduate in international relations and already doing good works in through the program yeah so it's it's a fantastic conversation. The the kids are very well spoken. Um, you know, George Anthony is <laughs> is passionate on the topic. You you do hear a lot from George, but uh, make sure you listen to what the the kids have to say too, because it's a it's a great opportunity to hear that. You know, we always I think every all older people worry about the next generation. Uh, if these are our next generation of leaders, I think we're going to be in in good shape. So, and I think it's important to note that uh, th- this is was done through a Catholic school. Uh, the students are Catholic, but there were also uh, interreligious students as well. I and mean, when I was working with them, they were Muslim and Protestant and uh, different Christian faiths. So, yeah. So anyway, here's the uh, interview, and we hope you, you find it as fascinating as we did. Good morning, and thank you for having us, Mike. We're, <coughs> we're so excited about being here. No, and I tell you, Jennifer is. Jennifer has spoken highly of all of you and the program itself. She was she sent me recently some of her uh, writings on the on the matter, and uh, it looks like a great program. So she says, she said, "Hey, Mike, this is out of our diocese, but do you think it would be interesting?" And I said, "Yes, absolutely, it'd be interesting." So let's do it. Maybe we can encourage some of the schools down here to to create similar programs. Yeah, I would love to have the opportunity to even come in and uh, set up. Uh, a model uh, that they can utilize, but it's all based on, uh, I think what we say is providing the skills or the tools with with our young people to sort of build great communities uh, based on Catholic leadership and based on community initiatives and based on a global perspective of creating a better world, uh, a safer place where we can all benefit and learn from each other. So that's the, the premise of the Global Institute. And um, Monday Prep, brought me in about seven years ago to set that community up. And it's been a, it's been a blessed community for the most part. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Monday Prep will be closing in a few weeks. So we're hoping to maybe bring the institute to a, another institution, another school that can provide a, a foundation for young peace leaders to continue the voice of peace and, and also the, their, uh, their projects. And that's one reason why I invited Elizabeth, because Elizabeth was a big part of the program and I just want to give you a basis before I introduce my, my other students. Um, but Elizabeth was here at the beginning. She was a freshman with me. And I took her to the United Nations to a subcommittee meeting on refugees and education. And um, at that meeting, we heard a lot of uh, refugee representatives from the United Nations talk about the plight of many of the refugees in Syria uh, and those that left Syria that gone to, on to Turkey and gone on to Greece. Uh, and their biggest concern was the education that was missing for the students. They, they were really concerned that their, their children will not be receiving the education that they were hoping for. So my students were part of that meeting. And the next day, I'm back in the classroom, and I said to them, okay, there's a blank board. You heard, you heard the, the stories, and you heard the, 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 the tragic um, sadness. Uh, how, do we, how do we address that? What can you do? And I said, fill that board up with solutions. And Elizabeth was part of that. And they fill that board up with strategies on how we can get education to these refugees. 
and it became what we call the educational toolkit. And they coded out a digital website uh, called www.prepforpeace.org. And they filled that site with lessons in, in English as a second language, in mathematics and science. So it's a free site where any parent and any child can go to and get a year's worth of lessons. So they're not missing out. And that came out of the Global Institute. And what I often say is we might be a classroom, but we're really a living laboratory uh, of solutions. And here were 12, 14-year-olds put together this toolkit that, was, that can bring a sense of, of peace to the world, of, to the parents and education. And the UN recognized that toolkit and they asked the students to return the sophomore year to the United Nations to present that toolkit to the world. So I'll, I'll leave it at that, but this just gives you an idea of what we've been able to accomplish out of this institute. And over the seven years, numerous, numerous projects for the world uh, where they can sort of use our strategies and benefit from them. And here you have Mia Rodriguez, Garrett Nolan, Emma DBAs, uh, all part of that process. And um, they, they've been a source of pride and a source of enjoyment working with them. So. I'll, I'll start with that. I know it's a lot at the beginning. It's a lot of information, but. No, no, it's great. Actually, uh, would you be so kind as to, to go around and introduce all of your students and your former student to us? Sure, absolutely. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves and say who you are. Mia, I'll start with you. Hi, Hi I'm Mia Rodriguez. I'm currently a sophomore at Mata Bay Prep. And, and I've been working with Mr. Anthony's program for about two years. And through his program, I was able to get to work with the organization Pathways to Peace. So I'm currently on their board of directors, along with Garrett. Nice to meet you. Well, how about Garrett? How about we go with you next? Thank you. Um, I'm Garrett Nolan. I'm also a sophomore like Mia. Thank you so much for having us here today. Um, thanks to Mr. Anthony's classes program, great program we have here. I've been able to get work with Pathways to Peace and we are vice presidents. Any other school, you know, they might have a model UN or something similar to that, but here we actually do things. We actually take part in the larger world around us. And just with any other school, I don't think that would have been possible, especially without Mr. Anthony. So thank you. Well, that's great. That's great to hear, Garrett. And uh, Emma, can you, can we meet you? Hi, um, my name is Emma DVS. I am a junior at Modern Day Prep. I am the junior representative uh, of Modern Day Prep to the United Nations. I am also an official delegate of Pathways to Peace to the United Nations. And I'm also on the um, board for Gandhi King Season for Nonviolence, which is an organization that takes Gandhi's, Gandhi King's legacy, Gandhi's legacy and King's legacy and put them together in a season for nonviolence for speaking with civil rights leaders, peace leaders, and I just got the pleasure to work with them over the past two years. Being at Modern Day for the past three years and being in part of this Global Leaders Institute since I was seventh grade has been a tremendous impact and experience on me. I'm speaking at conferences that I would never thought I would see myself speaking in. I'm changing the thoughts and the views of people that I never thought I would change. And it's just wouldn't have done it without Mr. Anthony and without any of my peers in the Global Leaders Institute. So thank you for that. That sounds wonderful, Emma. And, uh, and lastly, uh, the alum, uh, Elizabeth Sheridan. 
can you give us sort of your your connection to to this? Sure. So I am a modern day prep graduate, class of 2020, and I'm now a rising senior at UMass Amherst up in Massachusetts. And you can see it in my college trajectory. I'm studying political science, international relations, and Russian, Eurasian, and Polish studies fully because of the Global Leaders Institute. That very first week of my high school experience back in 2016, I came home from school and I was like, mom, dad, can I go on a field trip to New York? We're going to like the UN or something. Um, and ever since then, I was going once a month up until the pandemic hit. I am an official United Nations Youth Representative for Pathways to Peace. And that has exposed me to so many different people, so many different outlooks and cultures. And it's really inspired me in my everyday life to study international relations and how different cultures and people come together for governance. I'm interested in human security because of the refugee um, conference I went to back in 2017. And I am so, so grateful that I was a part of the Global Leaders Institute from pretty much the beginning. And I'm even more grateful that there were classes behind me that were able to continue that legacy. Um, devastated that I can't continue at Modern Day Prep. It absolutely changed my life. Well, that definitely sounds wonderful. And it sounds like it's been impressive. I, I'm quite jealous of all of you, quite frankly. Uh, this did not exist in, when I was in high school, and I would have loved to have taken part in it if it, if it had. Now, Jen, uh, you've actually worked with these folks, uh, not necessarily these kids specifically, but you've been uh, part of this program reporting on it from your days in the Diocese of Trenton, working for uh, the monitor there. Um, you know, how did you sort of develop a connection with these folks? Yeah, so um, I first met George Anthony a few years ago, I think a year or two before uh, the pandemic began, uh, because the kids, uh, some of his students at the time, we're going to be at the United Nations uh, to sit on a panel. And when I say sit on a panel, uh, I, I got the, uh, the pleasure of joining them on this, on this trip. We, we took the ferry across to New York into the United Nations. And like you, Mike, I also wish that this had existed because I am uh, like a UN fan, weird, like fan, super fan of the United Nations. Like, I don't know a lot of people that say that, but I'm like, so we walked into the United Nations and we were on the bottom floor right up on the you know first row, all of these students are sitting in the front row. I'm sitting there to report on them. And I was just so impressed with, you know, when you have some major global players up there speaking and these students from sophomore or and to, or maybe freshman until all the way up to, to senior are asking very important questions um, and have thoughts on, on what these uh, global leaders are speaking about. I mean, much Everybody who listens to me on this podcast know I'm always stumbling over my words. So I was amazed at how well-spoken everybody was. So, and that's when I really first got to know about the Global Leaders um, Institute at Modern Day Prep. Um, so uh, that being said, George, can you explain a little bit about, uh, for our listeners, what the Global Leaders Institute is, um, you know, in, in the simplest terms and how it began at Modern Day Prep? Yeah, great. Uh, actually, it, it began, I, I don't know if you can tell from my accents, a little bit of a Brooklyn accent, just a, a bit. Just a little. But uh, just a bit. But I, I was a, educated in New York City for 30 years, and uh, specifically history, educator, psychology. But in 1989, a horrific incident occurred in Brooklyn, uh, New York, where a young uh, Black youth, Yusef Hawkins, was, was killed in the streets of Bensonhurst, um, and tragically killed. And that murder... Uh, impacted the local high school where, where the school was sort of uh, divided um, culturally, where th there was um, a response that, that 
killing. And so they, the kids, the conflict in the school was sort of getting a little bit out of control. So they brought in a team from Columbia University to sort of get the kids who were fighting, rather than fighting, to talk it, to talk it out, to create a place of dialogue where they can put everything on the table and uh, find solutions. Uh, so, so that was very impactful that the Department of Education then sent a team of teachers to, to, um, to Columbia for a year to be trained under Ellen Rader and Sue Coleman uh, in these practices of, of non-confrontational um, dialogue. Uh, I was a part of that team along with my colleague, Lindy Crescitelli. And uh, then we came back and created a program based on bringing young people together and providing them with the tools uh, to create dialogue and non-confrontational leadership. Um, that was so successful that it was profiled on 2020, um, Social Cruelty in America. That profile on social, uh, on 2020, then uh, brought me into the United Nations, where I started to train delegates and uh, NGOs in the field of non-conflict uh, initiatives and leadership. Um, based on that, upon my retirement, my daughter attended Monday Prep, and Monday Prep was just coming out of a situation where they were almost closing, and um, we were at a fundraiser and my wife brought me over to one of the board of directors and said, my husband has just retired. I've been retired for about five hours. Uh, and at that point, uh, they asked me, would I be interested in bringing the Institute to modern day prep under the leadership of Jim Howenstein? And James Howenstein at that time, the principal former superintendent of Tom's River uh, said, George Blankcheck, build a program. And uh, we had such great support under, from Jim and the board of directors that the program thrived. We, uh, we built a program where young people are equipped with the tools of negotiation, mediation, uh, positive leadership, Catholic leadership, and uh, community outreach. Because what we want them to do is create these projects that they can take into the middle schools and the elementary schools and sort of create a, a line back to modern day prep of leadership, positive leadership. And uh, we're, we're big believers that you have to place these skills into their hands into the minds of our young leaders and then provide them the resources with the resources to create that change. And then our partnership with Pathways to Peace provided that bridge to the United Nations where I sit on two committees at the UN because of my role in, in Pathways to Peace, I'm a primary representative. And on working under Avon Madison who was a wonderful uh, mentor and founder of Pathways to Peace. She then wanted to mentor our young girls. So many of these young people in front of you have been mentored by Avon Madison in the role of leadership, positive leadership. Even sadly passed away this year, but under the direction of Tezekiah Gabriel, that leadership continues. So with the support of Pathways to Peace, we are, are at the United Nations speaking, presenting. Matter of fact, uh, Elizabeth was part of a 67th NGO Global Summit where four students from our day prep presented to over 300 UN reps on global leadership. Uh, and dealing with difficult environments and bringing difficult parties to dialogue. Um, and this is what we were able to accomplish. Uh, so many things. So the resources of the UN gives us this amazing global platform to create positive change. And all these students have played a role uh, in this dynamic. And we talk about jealousy. I often say to my students, many schools will read about these leaders. We get to work side by side with them. And many of my students have worked side by side with uh, civil rights leaders. Uh, Aaron Gandhi recently was working with Emma on a, on a project for Season for Nonviolence, the grandson of Mahanas Gandhi. We worked with, um, in, in the past, Dr. Jane Goodall. Uh, we've worked with uh, Dr. Ali Weisel. So all these people are part of our processes. Um, Ali Weisel has, been, has, has a great impact on me. 
I was at a conference when he said once that uh, he was at a conference in Europe and an older woman came up to him and said, who are you? And he said, how do I, how do I answer? Do I say I'm a Nobel Peace Prize winner, Dr. Eli Wiesel? And he said, rather than just going to that, he said, he said, madam, who I am, I am a collector of tears. I go around the world and I, and I collect your stories. I collect your tears and then I share your stories with other people and I connect our humanity. So that's who I am. And I remember sitting there saying, that's what I want to do. I want to collect our stories, share our stories and connect our faces of humanity where we all play a role in building a better world through our humanity. And uh, Mater Dei Prep thankfully gave us that foundation to build that, that, that type of institute. Now we know uh, from, from hearing in the news that Mater Dei Prep will be closing at the end of this year, correct? So yes. what does that mean for the, for the Global Leaders Program? How can this continue and, or how do you plan for this to continue? Well, because Mia and Garrett and, and Emma and Liz are part of the Pathways to Peace paradigm, they will continue that, that work uh, through Pathways to Peace. It's, I'm hopeful that the Institute will find another home and another school where we can continue that foundation of peace building uh, and Catholic leadership in, in that regard. So that's, that's important for me to hopefully find another school that will provide that foundation where young minds can continue to play a role as peace builders in our world. And we we're starting a new initiative prior to finding out we were closing, we were just getting involved in a new initiative called the Jerusalem Peace Institute that was started by Father uh, Christensen, um, who's one of the leading uh, voices in, in America based on creating interreligious dialogue. Um, he just passed away in April, but the, Jewish, the Jerusalem Peace Institute continues on under the leadership of Dr. Saliba Sassar at Amman University and Mark Klein, uh, Rabbi Mark Klein, as well as, as other uh, leaders, Catholic leaders and Christian leaders throughout the world. So we're hoping that we continue that initiative. We were taking on that, that role in supporting the Jerusalem Peace Institute uh, so hopefully in our next school, if we find another school, we can continue that message of interreligious peace building moving forward. So it's Jerusalem and beyond. Uh, and that's what we're hopeful for. Um, now, before we move on to us, I want to hear from some of the students and, and alumni about your one-on-one -on -one experience. Can you uh, just back up one little, we've mentioned a lot about Pathways to Peace, and we've also used the term NGOs. Can mm -hmm. we just give a quick uh quick explanation of what an NGO is and exactly what Pathways to Peace is and how it's connected here. Yeah, there's two parts to the United Nations. It's the political uh, aspect where you have the Security Council and then you have civil society, the other half. And civil society essentially su supports the 192 member nations at the United Nations. So there's about 12,000 NGOs affiliated at the United Nations. 6,000 very active, and out of 6,000 very active, Pathways to Peace is one of the most active uh, NGOs at the United Nations, developing a culture of peace. Uh, so that's, we, we play a role in what we call civil society, uh, where we address, we attend many conferences, specifically students attended the International Day of Peace Conference. Uh, just recently, the, the Commission for Status of Women Conference, where Emma and, and quite a few of my sophomores actually presented. Elizabeth has presented at this Commission for Status of Women in the past as well. So it's our role that we support the United Nations and the political side through civil society action. Um, well, I'm full disclosure. Thank you to George and Pathways to Peace. I also got to present a couple of years ago, right at the beginning of um, COVID. And as the 
UN groupie, I think when that was over, which was not only an amazing experience to present about women's role in media, but um, to hear so many great witnesses and great to be able to be part of that and get to hear so many talks. When I was, when I went out, whole, that whole uh, moment was over, I leaned over to my family and I said, I'm done. I accomplished what I, you know, like the highlight of my life. God, if you took me now, I'm okay with that. I was just so honored. So, so thank you, George. And um, I'm so excited to talk to all the kids. And I keep calling you kids and you're not kids. You know why? Because I'm 45 and, mm. and somebody else on this podcast has have another big birthday. So I'm so excited about your youth. So you have such yeah. great uh, um, energy. So why don't we start with you, Liz? Um, why don't you explain some of the projects that you have done with um, what you're doing now, I guess, because of how, where you started with, with uh, uh, the Global Institute program? Sure. So while I was still in modern day, like Mr. Anthony mentioned, um, I was one of the founding members of the Educational Toolkit, where we kind of brought a bunch of different lessons plans together in an effort to help students in refugee camps worldwide. And I've kind of always gravitated towards education for all. Um, open education resources is a very big passion of mine. I don't think anybody should be cut out of high school, college, elementary education based off of their level of income, based on their location. So when I did start college at UMass Amherst, I kind of continued that passion that Mr. Anthony inspired in me. I worked on an open educational resource campaign where we committed a number of departments at my school to providing free um, textbooks and readings to all the students. So you don't have to pay extra money for that. And that's kind of just following along with the education toolkit because Mr. Anthony really helped me show what I wanted to do with that passion. I've always said that I think more people should be able to access all of these resources, but I never knew how to put that into action until he really helped me open the floodgates and get to work. While I was in modern day, I was able to present at the Commission for Status of Women 63, and I spoke about how your individual background, your family history, where you come from, inspires you into the future, and by having a more anti-cultural, intergenerational approach, we'll have a more diverse group of leaders in the future. And continuing into college, I still study international relations. It is my favorite thing to do. I am constantly reading the news to see what's happening worldwide. And my main regional aspect is Russia and Eurasia. So going into my senior year of college, I'll be completing an honors thesis project, looking at how portrayals in the media and film influence American foreign policy towards Russia. And it's kind of a reflection of how national identity and the way you interpret things in your daily life will affect the entire global community. And I still think that's very inspired by what I learned in the modern day Prep Global Leaders Institute, that every single thing you take in, everything you're exposed to, it changes you in ways you'll never understand. Um, I'm so grateful I was a part of it. I am still in mourning about Avon Madison passing away. She is one of my utmost, utmost heroes. She really pushes me even in spirit every single day to just continue my work and knowing that every day, every time I kind of move forward, trying to work in honor of her and continuing to represent modern day pathways to peace and Mr. Anthony himself in the best light possible. How important uh, was it to you uh, when you were uh, at modern day as part of this program to be putting into real life practice, what you were learning in the classroom? Like you're, exactly. you're, you're hearing things and then you're going to the United Nations. It was insanely important to me because it shows that what you learn in the classroom is not bound by just the four walls of the room. It really does go into the everyday world. 
But I think what was even more important to me than going to a conference and being able to present and say, oh, cool, I presented in front of 300 UN delegates. It was getting to hear from them myself, whether that was feedback after I presented or just attending a conference. You learn so much when you first take it in the classroom and then go into real life and listen to everyday experiences. So I think it was listening to the people around me, doing like active listening skills, taking in what they're doing, processing it, and being able to respond in a way that was informed and also thoughtful. I think that's what really struck me, learning in class, the conflict resolution skills, bringing it to the United Nations, learning about all these different amazing projects and people, and having that deeper connection with them, able to grow myself. I like the words you use, conflict resolution, especially... you know, just even lately, I think we all feel it. That is a skill that that is needed more than more than ever. Um, would any of you like to, to speak to that point about you know what you've learned to, about conflict resolution and how important it is today? I will, because being in this program for over five years, that's all. We, that's primarily what we've learned is conflict resolution and peer mediation skills. So when I started the program in seventh grade. Mr. Anthony brought us to our first United Nations um, meeting in the city. And I was this scared little girl, not knowing what to do, just walking around and trying to take everything in all at once and sitting on the ground floor, listening to the people. It changed me. It made me feel more confident in myself, more passionate in my views, which turned into me asking a question that was groundbreaking on social media asking what is leadership to a panel of women civil rights leaders. It was just amazing to see that how one question changed the way that we looked at things. And with the conflict resolution skills that Mr. Anthony has given me and given the program, we can use those skills and go out in the world and resolve our own conflicts, not just conflicts of others, which is really which is really important in our in today's society because we all have internal conflicts that we don't know how to resolve and we just want to keep going and resolving others but we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others because if we're not in a good state then our peers are not in a good state so having that is essential in everyday learning cuz who needs to know that we all have conflicts we need to know how to resolve them because Conflict will always lead to more problems, more fights, more arguments. And then you can never find the solution because you're so deep into that argument. You can never find the solution you need. But with the conflict resolution skills that Mr. Anthony has given us and the program has given us, we yeah. can get out of that the conflict resolution quickly. Yeah, Emma, yeah, I, I, wanna... I think it's, oh, sorry, George, I just want to follow up something real quick with Emma. Um, you were talking about that internal conflict. Do you think that's something that uh, a lot of uh, people are experiencing, especially after COVID? Absolutely, because people are still trying to find themselves. They're trying to find what what is normal again. What are we going to go back to since COVID is would consider we're still in COVID. But from the pandemic when it started in 2020 to now, people have Um, have a lot of internal conflicts within themselves and they don't know how to resolve them and having those skills to have to make sure that those uh, conflicts can be resolved is game-changing it's changing our ways it's changing our society and the more people we have that can be conflict resolution 
conflict resolutionists, it will help our society become more peaceful, less violent. It's essential in our living. Sorry, George. Just Thanks, to, to add on to Thank you. To add on to Emma, one of the key things we teach is that we always we don't always have to agree with each other because we're not going to agree with each other. Um, we're all impacted by what we call our worldview. That means the way we are raised to see the world and the way we are raised to hear the world. Uh, and we all, based on our family upbringings, neighborhoods, uh, religion, ethnicity, uh, we all have perspectives on how we see the world. So we're not always going to agree. The, the key for us, the key component in our program is to find a way to understand and to move that conversation or that situation or perspective to a middle ground where we can both benefit. Uh, so it's, it's basically focused on a win-win, not a win-lose or lose-lose. I mean, we often say you can win, but still lose. And you can win the argument or win the situation, but you can lose respect, you can lose a friendship. Uh, so that's, that's key. The other thing we talk about also, a big part is productive relationships versus unproductive relationships. If we continue, if our behaviors uh, continue to take us down this path where it's unproductive, uh, but that's only, that's all you know, uh, that's where you'll go. Your brain will take you to where you go. So a lot of our training is focused on taking certain behaviors and restructuring that behavior to, to create positive and productive responses. Uh, to, to Emma spoke about it. A lot of times we, we will respond to issues with negative reactions. But we often say, and they'll, my kids will talk about it, negative reactions will oftentimes block rational thinking. So the idea is effective leadership is based upon knowing what you're thinking, knowing how you're reacting, and then preparing proper responses that will take you down productive uh, pathways. Uh, and that's the, that's the key for us. And effective leadership is to create those productive encounters but you're responsible. We often say you cannot change people, but you can change the way you respond to those people. And based upon that response, you can take that relationship and create new parameters for a positive relationship. And that's what's taught in a big way in this program. It's effective leadership, positive leadership, rather than a negative leadership. So I'll, I'll turn it over to my students again, but a lot of that goes into the training. Now, uh, Garrett, uh kind of uh, piggybacking on what George was talking a little bit about there. Uh, how have you utilized some of those skills in, in the program and what part of projects that you're involved in? One of the most, in my opinion, profound things Mr. Anthony taught us was the concept of react versus respond. A lot of times when we're in a negative situation, human beings tend to just react. They leap before they look. They say things that most of the time they may not mean. You know, um, they could let their negative emotions get in the way. Because as we say in this program, negative emotions block rational thinking. And I think it's important in any age, but especially as a high schooler in modern society, it's important to be able to have the skills to really step back and observe a situation before you act on it or decide how to go from there. Therefore, we respond to a situation rather than react to a situation. And I just think that's a very important lesson we learned here. Thank you. Janet's writing, Jen is writing down notes right now because uh, I have failed at that many, many times <laughs> in, her, in her presence. She just wrote me a little note in the chat and say, hey, this is about you. <laughs> so thank you, Gary. I will do. I will do better. I promise. Uh, I want to say we're, we're, we're creatures of habit, uh, and I'll give you an example. One of the things one time at a UN training, 
uh, we had about 2,000 peace-loving uh, Hindus uh, come in for a training on, on leadership. And uh, they all came in and said namaste, and it was so nice. And um, we have a, an exercise we call the wrist exercise, uh, where I, I said to, this, to, to, to my participants, um, you have three roles in life, a peacemaker, a peacekeeper, or a peacebreaker. Uh, a peacemaker is someone who adheres to the policies of Dr. King, Mother Teresa. Uh, Non-confrontational, you'll bring up a conversation or situation to a place of peace. A, a peacekeeper is someone, people you trust, people who give you good advice and take you to a place of, of you know, you're confident that you can hopefully resolve it. And a peacebreaker is somebody with no filter, uh, somebody who basically tells you what, what the situation is and, um, and we'll just sort of pick up the pieces after we deal with it. But I'm going to tell you unfiltered what I think. So oftentimes I'll say to people, what are you? Are you peacemaker, peacekeeper, or peacebreaker? And it's a gray area because on any given day, I could be all three. But on this specific day, I wanted people to ask, you know, what are you? And most went up, most raised their hands to peacemaker or peacekeeper. So I said, great, on the count of three, I want you, I said, I want each person to grab the wrist of the person next to you. On the count of three, I want you to let go with, uh, hold on to that wrist. I want you, Gamma's <laughs> doing it right here. But on the count of three, um, get out of that grip any way you can on the count of three. And I said, one, to three, get out of that grip. And they all were struggling, 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 trying to, and I saw one guy dragging another guy down the aisle, trying to break his grip. And I said, stop, 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 stop. And they stopped and I said, sit down. I said, great. Two minutes ago, I just asked you, are you a peacemaker, a peacekeeper, a peacebreaker? Most of you, 89, 85% of you went towards peacemaker, peacekeeper. I said, I asked you on the count of three, get out of grip any way you can. I said, how many of you struggled? Many of the hands went up. I said, did any of you think for a moment, just ask the person if they can let go of your wrist. And they broke out and laughed and they said, oh, you got me, you got me. But the point is, <laughs> we're creatures of habit. We're very confrontational, we're very competitive. So when a situation arises, we tend to go towards a competition right off the get-go. Uh, that's our first response. It actually is our first reaction. To go to words and the right words, not confrontational words, is itself a skill. And that's one of the first lessons they learn in the program is that to go to non-confrontational action requires a skill because we are so conditioned to go towards reaction, which is usually based on competition. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we learned very early on. I love that. Uh, Mia, I'm curious, you know, which, uh, what projects have you been involved in in this program? So I entered this program as a freshman and I was able to create this video my freshman year and it called Our Voices Matter, which basically gave the students in Mr. Anthony's class the opportunity to shed light on important issues. I spoke on the topic of racism as a Caribbean woman and my experiences with that and how this still very much exists today. We kind of have this idea that everything, even though it's much better than before, that there isn't still discrimination faced and there is even if it is in microaggressions. And many other students got to speak about their Catholic identity, what it is to be a woman and different um, things that are their objectives of what they would, would want to speak about. And I'm also on the board of directors of Pathways to Peace. So I was able to speak on a panel during Zoom, of course, because this all happened when COVID was very much still a thing. So we were able to speak about an intergenerational approach and how by bridging the voices of both the youth and the leaders that we still have today, that we can teach those 
how to create a new and better society and develop the new leaders of our world. You know, I, I tell you, Jen, you when you brought this to my attention, you know, I didn't really know much about it. And listening to everyone on the, the episode so far today, it's been nice to hear how it actually takes me back to my, my master's level pro classes, which, you know, I was a working professional and I was getting my degree in public relations. And it was the first time in my life I had ever taken classes that that married the theoretical to the practical that was going on in my life, everything I was learning in those master's level classes, I was able to immediately turn around and utilize in my life, which I think in a lot of schooling, typically, it's all theoretical. You don't get much practical application for, for yeah. what you would like to work on. And yet this program seems to really encourage people to find a practical outlet for, for everything they've learned. Yeah, Mike, we want the applications to be used immediately. I mean, it's especially the first lesson they learn is called what's in a name, meaning the impact they can have on other people by validating them. And we call it uh, recognizing the individual ch uh, child, actually recognizing the invisible child. Mm -hmm. And I just want to apologize. For Excuse me, Mr. No, it's nice. It's, we, we've, this is not the first time we've done an episode where we have, uh, we have the, it's taking place in a school and we have to be prepared for, for moments right. like that coming in. There I'll you tell go. you this stuff. We don't but, edit it out. Though. Yeah. We keep it in because that makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. would it, anybody here like to share about the invisible child? Do you, do you remember the lesson, the first lesson regarding the invisible child? What's in the name? We would sit in a circle and we would have, we would ask our kids the name of their, well, what their names is. And then from there, we would go around and we would ask them their favorite things. And we have to remember what they go, they what they like. And, and we have, have to, to make, make sure, sure that we get their name right. And then having that, it's a personal connection with that person. And then all around, it becomes more of a community, more of a friendship. Which is yeah, that's that's, that's the icebreaker. But the important thing is that in, in our in our communities, in our school communities, there are many children who have been bullied at, uh, at some level. And I think we all have our stories about uh, being victimized by bullying or or being the person who's sort of initiating bullying behaviors. We don't say uh, who's the bully or or you're, you're a victim because we don't want that title to define you or label you. You're, you're much better than that. Just maybe in this day when this position, you've been victimized by bullying behaviors. So the idea is the role that they can play is if you see somebody with their head down, if you see somebody who looks like they're being uh, they're not connected. They're trying to disappear. They're trying to become invisible because if they are visible, they become a target. Then it's their role to sort of just look at them, say hello, recognize them, validate them. Uh, because what's in a name is extremely, especially if you use a person's name positively, is, is their way of saying, I see you, I validate you. I don't want you being disconnected from my community. I don't want to lose your life. Uh, and that's the issue with a lot of kids who are picked on, a lot of kids who are victimized by bullying behaviors is they start to shut down. Uh, they start to lose their life. And they start to lose that connection to their school communities because there's nobody to support them. So the first lesson they learn in the program is that you can be a positive leader by supporting other children who are trying to become invisible within their own communities. And uh, that's part of the training. You know, we've been talking a lot about um, subjects about making the world, you know, a better place, uh, better communication skills, you know, protecting human dignity. Um, which all go into what we're called to in our faith and what many faiths are, are, are called to, since I know that there's a lot of 
um, ecumenical work with, with uh, the Global Leaders Program. And even Mia touched a little bit on the faith as well. So, you know, what, what, what role does faith have in these positive actions that, that the Global Leaders is, is doing? Well, we, we're, we're leaders, but we're also followers. And our greatest leader is Jesus Christ. We have the, the, the love of Christ and the direction of Christ and the parables of Christ to follow. I mean, it's, you just need to, to look at leadership, just look at the Bible and, and look at, I mean, I love watching The Chosen uh, the, this past year. Um, it's, it, I lose myself in it, but you lose yourself in the, the love of Christ that he had for others. And we have to love others as well. And in faith, especially in interreligious faith, is to, to find brotherhood and sisterhood or fellowship in, in other religions as well, because we're all going towards the path, I think, that leads us to God. Um, that's a big part of my life. My, the big part of my life is, is my faith. I love working in a Catholic school because I can, we can pray in the morning. Uh, we know our roles. And, uh, and I can play Mercy Me music, uh, you know, I can only imagine, and, and things that sort of inspire me uh, and inspire our young people uh, that there's something more, that there's something bigger than just us. And I often say in the program, we're individuals working together, but there's something bigger, and that the bigger role is our role in the world and professing our faith as well as our leadership skills and creating a better world. If I can. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, go ahead, Liz. One of the last events that I was able to do before the pandemic hit was visiting the Holy See in New York City, and we were able to speak with some of the leaders there regarding the Global Leaders Institute. And what really struck me about that day was that not only can what we learn be applied to just the everyday, it can be directly applied to our church faith and church life. Knowing how to do conflict resolution can be difficult. It can be hard to sometimes take what everybody says, um, at, not at their surface, but understand what they're saying deeper, what they truly mean, what they truly believe. And that day at the Holy See reminded me that it's very applicable to our church. And we should remember at all times that while we are working in the international field, while we are serving specific NGOs or specific groups, at the end of the day, it's all about serving God and reminding ourselves that nothing we do is possible without him kind of being behind us. And I'm very grateful that I learned that lesson young so I can bring that into the rest of my life. Liz, that's a fantastic answer. I'm curious, Liz, um, you, you being the closest to entering your career soon, have you considered like where you may go is or what you, where, you, where specifically you'd like to work? Yes. So I'm going into my senior year and I'm in the process of process of applying for graduate schools, but I want to work in the public service. I'm still deciding what branch of government I want to do, obviously federal, but right now I'm applying to some government accountability office positions, which is basically looking at what the government does in all their different areas and making sure it's held to a legal moral standard. Um, and there's a few other positions very much holding, holding our leaders accountable in a government sense. So I think you could definitely see where that comes from in my high school background. I do. That's outstanding. I, I, I encourage you wholeheartedly. Thank you. The, uh, well, you know what? We're just about to wrap up. So, George, I'm curious, is there any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with regarding the program? And, and you know, one other thing is, does this program exist anywhere? Is this, was this just a matter-day program? Um, is it something, though, that could be maybe easily packaged for other schools? Yeah, Michael, we, 
prior to pre-COVID, we were setting up what we call mini institutes, uh, similar to this one we had. We're, we're right here on campus with St. Mary's. So Emma is a product of that mini institute where we went into St. Mary's for four or five months and set up mini institutes. I was going to set up a similar institute at St. Benedict uh, as well. And then we also reached out to St. Leo's. Uh, yeah, this is something that could be set up in any school. Uh, this is something that I did in New York City with Lindy Crescitelli. He now is working with another organization called Learn, Lead, and Serve, which is uh, which does a lot of civil rights and human rights work. Um, but it can easily be set up in other schools. I, I hope that uh, this is not the beginning. This is not the end, but it's the beginning of additional uh, schools or institutes in other schools. I would love to do this on a larger scale. Um, possibly working with an organization where we can even come into schools and set up uh, institutes. We have so much material uh, over the past seven years that we can share with the world. One of the reasons why we were going to work with the Jerusalem Peace Institute is because our focus was going to be on education and educating the educators in Jerusalem and beyond in peace initiatives and interreligious initiatives and share our work with them. We have uh, videos and we have trainings and uh, matter of fact we still just completed one training and uh, on peace building and Emma's class is going to continue uh, finishing up two more workshops video workshops and training so we have so much work and so much materials we'd love to share with the world uh, so we're just hoping rather this being the end this is only the beginning uh, we just need to uh, be connected to those schools that would love to utilize these resources. Now, George, if, um, if people want to get in contact with you because they're interested, uh, is there a website they can go to? Or? There's, yeah, there's, um, there's Peace Dynamics, which is an old website that my contact information is on, www.peacedynamics.com. Uh, so my information is there. Uh, www.pathwaystopeace.org. I believe there's information. You can reach me there as well. Um, or they can even call me directly, uh, which is, I have no problem sharing my number if they're interested. At, can I share my number out? Is, what would you? You know what? I think it might be best to, to go to the website. All right. I so hate, go to I Peace hate, Dynamics. I hate to get that's fine. That's true. So I would say go to peacedynamics.com at this point uh, and, and contact me through that website. And you can find some of the work that we do there as well. Um, yeah, I love to reach out because uh, at this point, the modern day prep. Uh, website. Also, Prep for Peace, which is the student's website. This is what Elizabeth developed and Emma has been carrying for the last couple of years. www.prepforpeace.org. My only concern is that my Monday Prep contact email is on there, uh, and that's going to be sort of disconnected after about a month. But I think my contact number is on there as well. So prepforpeace.org, peacedynamics.com is a good way to reach out and, and catch up to me. Well, thank you, George. Um, Emma, Garrett, uh, Mia, Liz, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. Um, you, you really are an inspiration to me. Um, I, I really do wish that this had been a program when I was your age. And to know that, you know, that, that you're starting these peace initiatives at your age to, to bring it into your careers and to everyone you meet, I find very inspiring and very hopeful in a world that needs hope. So thank you all very much. And um, thanks for being on the show.